This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. church today not heard that song that hymn sister burns for years higher ground I uh, I don't mind learning a new song I, I don't mind uh, new songs we sing nowadays. I don't mind it. I can get with it, but but the hymns are still my jam. <laughs> the hymns are still my jam. There's this, and I know it's because I'm a child of the church. I was raised on hymns, but there's a something about the hymns that though written hundreds of years, they, they still resonate, still resonate. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Good afternoon, church. We thank God for the privilege of worship. Let me welcome every worshiper here. And let me assure you that God has blessings in store. We thank God for his movement and the service thus far. Perhaps... Some of you have heard of him. His name is Brian Johnson. And he is a 46-year-old biotech entrepreneur. And in a recent article, online article, Business Insider dubbed him as the millionaire chasing immortality. The millionaire chasing immortality. Johnson has developed a so-called biohacking routine at a cost of some $2 million. And he claims that this routine reverses or at least slows down the aging process. According to the article, don't die is his slogan. And Johnson has some abnormal practices that he hopes will help him achieve that goal of don't die. The article says that the millionaire drinks wine with breakfast, works out for up to an hour every day, and he is in bed by 8.30 p.m. I noted with interest and with some amusement some of the responses and comments that were made to this article. And let me share with you just a few sampling, a sampling of, of these comments and responses. One person said, just being rich leads to a longer life. 
you have less stress and the best care. Being too self-involved, however, is not good for people. He would do better to work on helping others through philanthropy. Another person wrote, wine for breakfast? Why, we used to call that the morning drink at our AA meetings. Myself used to start the day with an old English malt liquor, but nobody mistook my morning routine for an anti-aging research. But then again, maybe it's different for billionaires. Another person wrote, my granddad's best buddy in the war took really good care of himself, while my granddad chewed tobacco, drank beer, and ate whatever he wanted. His friend dropped dead at 40, and my granddad lived to be 97. <laughs> one last one. The death rate is one per person. The spirit is willing, but the flesh will always be weak. Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, the New King James Version's rendition, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You have sent. As we spend the next few minutes contemplating the Word of God, I'd like for us to consider the question, can God be known? Can God be known? Let's pray together. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your movement, Holy Spirit, in the service thus far. We ask that you will stop by every heart and every mind. We open up our hearts. We open up our hearts and our minds to you. Fill us with your spirit. And use this feeble, mortal clay, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Can God be known? Some would argue that, Pastor, a better question would be, does God want to be known? Jesus says in our focus verse, John 17, verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, never at first read, at first blush, it is evident that knowing God is very important. That knowing God is very important. And that eternal life is linked to knowing Him. Now, before we delve into this verse, let us zoom out a bit and consider that our Lord began this conversation with His disciples in earnest in chapter 13 of John. And he started this conversation as he prepared his disciples for the events that would lead up to his sacrifice on Calvary, its aftermath, his subsequent departure, and his promised return. And neighbor, what is evident in this is that the ministry of Jesus the life of Jesus was not accidental or coincidental or happenstance, but the life of Jesus was a life that was lived honoring God's purpose and God's will for his life. 
or chapter 17 can be divided into three parts. How many parts? How many parts? Three parts. Part 1, verse 1 through the 5, we find Jesus praying for himself. Part 2, verse 6 through the verse 19, we find Jesus praying for his disciples who were present. And then part 3, verse 20 through the, to 26, we find Jesus praying for all believers. And I thank God for this part because... It says, among other things, that even before my grandfather knew my grandmother, Jesus prayed for me. Amen. Now, our verse, verse 3 of chapter 17, is in part 1, where Jesus is praying for himself. For us to acclimatize ourselves of sort, let us begin at verse 1 of chapter 17 and run on down to verse 5. John wrote, verse 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your son also may do what? May glorify you. As you have given him, don't miss this neighbor, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And our verse, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, neighbor, what is also evident in these verses it's not just that knowing God is important and, 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 and that knowing God is connected to life. But what is also evident in these five verses is that Jesus was and is fully God. Amen. That Jesus was and is fully God. That these verses, neighbor, categorically affirm the divinity of Jesus. It's important. You see, there are some Christians who believe that, that, well, Jesus was the first being created by God. That Jesus was a God, a demigod, a, 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 a dumbed-down version, for, forgive the expression, of God. But these verses clearly affirm that Jesus, though fully man, was also fully God. You see, neighbor... For him to be our Savior, he had to be God. It is only God who could make us. It is God who created us. And so it is only God who can save us. So these verses categorically affirm the divinity of our Lord. And so as we zoom in on our focus text, Jesus prayed and said, verse 3, And this is what? Eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I do believe that before we go any further with this text, that it is, it is important, yea, it is instructive, Elder Tony, that we define the word no. That we define the word no. The word that is used in the original for the word no it comes from a root word called ginosko, and it is not just about head knowledge, but it's about heart or life connection. This word being used in the Greek New Testament and also in the Septuagint, which is which was the, the translation of the Old Testament to Greek, that when this word was used, it was used to describe intimacy. Describe what? So it was not just some mental ascent, some mental accepting or just head knowledge, but when, when the Bible talks about no, when Jesus talks about no, he's not talking about information only, but he's talking about a connection with God. Thus, a person who knows God has an intimate, personal relationship with him. A person who knows God has an intimate, personal relationship with God. And let me say to somebody here that God has no grandchildren. That your mother or your father can't know God for you. You've got to know God for your Self. No, that is not just about, it's not just knowing about him. It's about a personal relationship. And, 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 and watch this, Kirk. The, the, I don't mean to give you a, a Greek grammar lesson, but the tense that is used in the original suggests that the knowing is both continuous and dynamic. In other words, it's not a knowing now, full stop, but it's a knowing that says you keep on knowing. Let me put it where you can touch it. For the past 20 years, I've been married to the same lady. Past 20 years. Please pray for her. She will get to heaven being married to me. Amen. Pray for her. Pray for her. 20 years. And though there's still more to know, there's so much that I have learned Ainsley about her, things that I did not know when we started dating, when we started dating, and when we started courting. And then we got married, and I discovered that she had a preference to the side of the bed. And God, in his wisdom, made it so that I had the opposite preference. Amen. That was a sign that we were compatible. <laughs> but then she discovered that I had certain quirks and certain idiosyncrasies, certain things, you know, the way I would do things, that she didn't know those things when we were courting. 
They're not bad things in and of themselves, but they can be, quite frankly, annoying. <laughs> and, and, and it gives new meaning to the term, and some of you heard the expression, to see me and live with me are two different things. Hello. But it's a journey of knowing. And one of the things that she, I know she's watching, I'll call her out anyway, Brother Burns. But uh, one of the things she pulled on me when we were courting, we would play Scrabble almost every Saturday night. We'd play Scrabble. And man, I would wipe the floor with her, thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I'd wipe the floor with her. Nine out of ten times, I'm winning, I'm winning. And then we got married. We got married. And Knut, I couldn't win a game to save my life. <laughs> couldn't win a game to save my life. And I was trying to understand why. I remember even one night as we were preparing for the game, the, the evening before Norma, I studied. Whipped out a thesaurus and, and I was going through words and, you know, the small words and the cue words. I was studying for the girl. And with all that studying, she still kicked my butt in the name of Jesus. And I said, now, girl, now, 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 what's going on, man? When we were courting, I was winning all the time. What happened? She said, I was allowing you to win. <laughs> but now that we're married, it's on. It's on. <laughs> so the knowing that is in the text is one that is not static, Kirk. It's one that is, is, is continuous. It is dynamic. And notice that the relationship, Jesus says, is one that is eternal, not temporal. But allow me to suggest that eternal life is not just simply about some end endless existence, but it's about being in a constant connection, in a connected relationship with God. Can God be known? Yea, does God want to be known? The psalmist says in Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 20 through to 23, Paul says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools 
and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And Paul continues in verses 24 and 25, Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Jesus prayed, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Don't miss it, neighbor. God has revealed himself through nature. Amen? God has revealed himself through his word. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, that all scripture is God-breathed, but the greatest Revelation of God is Jesus Christ. And I say amen. Jesus says that they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Listen, neighbor. We cannot know the Father apart from the Son. We cannot know God apart from Jesus Christ. I believe that this was clearly stated and illustrated by Jesus in the narrative, the conversation he had with one of his disciples, Philip, in John chapter 14, 6 through the verse 11. Jesus said in verse 7 of John chapter 14, Jesus said this, watch this, if you had known me, you would have known whom? You'd have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Why? Because you've known me and you have seen me. Some of you know the dialogue Philip asked Jesus, show us the father. Jesus said, I've been with you for so long, Philip, and you don't know the father. When you see me, you see the Father. I and the Father, we're one. Not a single personality, but one in terms of aim and objectivity. What is eternal life? Jesus says, according to a verse, eternal life is or begins with knowing God personally. You see, neighbor, God is not only the source of all life, God is the sustainer of our life. You see, the closer we move towards God, the closer we move towards life. And the opposite is true. The further we move away from God, the closer we get to death. And listen, neighbor, regardless of your health routine, life that is lived apart from God leads to death. Because it is in him, according to Paul, that we live and move and have our being. Now, don't get it twisted, neighbor. You should. You should do all your best, take care of yourself, and apply certain practices. Well, you know, the 
the men's ministry folks started a 90-day challenge, health challenge some time ago. And, uh, and I, I have, uh, they've tried to encourage me to, to be part of it, but uh, I wimped out Kirk. I wimped out. Wimped out. They, when they told me about the, the cleansing thing, now, now that, 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 that freaked me out. When they talk about there was going to be a cleansing, I'm like, whoa, 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 cleansing. My, my, my wife has been trying to get me to do cleansing for years now. And, and say, yo, Pastor, you got to start, you got to jump start with a cleansing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, give me some time to think about it. It's been weeks and I'm still thinking about it. But then I saw, one of, I saw a guy in the parking lot, Canute, just a couple weeks ago, and the moment I saw him, I said, man, you were doing the program, right? He said, yes, Pastor. <laughs> I saw the difference. I saw the difference. I told him, pray for your pastor, because I'm still thinking about it. Still thinking about it. But here's the reality. It doesn't matter what your health routine is. It's about he that keepeth Israel. Because you and I may do the best that we can. And you can talk to Kirk after the service. He'll have stories to share with you. You can be the fittest you are and still drop dead. And I'm not trying to be fatalistic here. But what I'm trying to help us to appreciate that it is God who keeps us. Amen? And though we must use wisdom and we must use the best routine and we must use the, apply the best principles to our lives, we must appreciate that it's not the scoffing down of veggie links that saves and keeps us. It is God who does. It's God who saves and it is God who keeps. It's because of him that we live, move, and have our being. And Jesus says that knowing God and knowing Him, having that personal relationship with Him is the key to eternal life. Not just knowing about Him, but having a personal relationship with Him through faith in Jesus. And I do believe that we get a better understanding of the character of God by studying the life and ministry of Jesus. You know, Pastor Mike, one of the most profound character references that I've found of God is in Exodus chapter 34. The narrative began in chapter 33 where the man of God, Moses, has been dialoguing with God for some time now. And now he asks the question, God, will you show me your face? I want to have that face-to-face -face interaction with you. And, and God said, hey, Moses, no human being, no sinful human being can see me and live. And listen, neighbor, you and I must recognize that on our best day, while we're praising God in church, all our righteousness is, is as filthy rags. And that we, we cannot stand before God except True Jesus. But God said to him, as the kids would say, I'm going to do you a solid, Moses. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to place you in the rock. And I'm going to pass by you, and I'm going to 
put my hand over your face. And as I pass by, I'll allow you to see my shoulder, my shoulder. And here was how God described himself. Very profound verse of scripture. Every time I read it, Elder Angela, it causes shudder. It causes me to shiver. Verses 6 and 7. Here is God. Exodus 34. There are those who say, well, the God of the Old Testament is arbitrary and, 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 and exact. But here, the Bible says, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, don't miss it, neighbor, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, amen, and gracious, long-suffering, and abounded in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, for giving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth commandment. Generation, I thank God as we studied this week in our Sabbath school lesson that God does not treat me as my sins deserve. He's a God of mercy, God of long-suffering, a God of graciousness. But as I seek to sew it all together, let me say this. You can put it there. It must be the goal of every true believer to seek after God and spiritual things. It must be the goal of every true believer to seek after God and spiritual things. God declares in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through to verse 13, God says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Neighbor, our pursuit of God must be motivated by a desire to know his will and purposes for our lives. So how do we do it, Pastor? How do we seek after God and spiritual things? You know, it's one thing to get the prescription. It's another thing as to how to apply or use the prescription. And some of you have been there where the doctor gives you a prescription. You go to the pharmacy and the pharmacist in fulfilling the prescription will take you aside and ask you, Mr. Rose, do you understand uh, how to use this prescription? You know, the frequency and all of that will walk you through it. Because it's one thing to have the prescription is another thing to know how to use the prescription. How do we do it? How do we seek after God in spiritual things? The first thing is, and this is, this is important, we must set this as our highest priority. We must ensure that nothing or no one comes before us seeking God. Amen? 
In seeking God, it means that we must carve out and ensure that we spend quality time with him. Someone says that we must desire God as we desire the air we breathe. The story is told of a young man who came to an old sage to ask him about the secret, the secret of success. How can I be successful? The old man told him, meet me tomorrow morning at five on the beach. The young man showed up promptly. He was early. The old sage said to him, now walk with me. They walked. They came, they came towards the water's edge, stepped into the water up to their ankles and then to their knees and then to their waist and then up to their breast and then their necks and then over their heads and they kept walking and they kept walking and they kept going deeper and deeper and when they had gotten to a very deep spot in the sea, the old man all of a sudden turned and grabbed the young man and held him down. And the young man started to struggle and struggle and struggle until he burst loose. And they emerged to the surface. And then he shouted at the old man, are you trying to kill me? He said, young man, when I held you down there and you felt your lungs burning and you desired air more than everything else and you are fighting and doing everything to get air, he says, if you must be successful, you've got to want it like you want air. If you and I must know God, we must desire him as the air we breathe. How do you do it, Pastor? Secondly, we must pray prayers. First, prayers of surrender. Amen? If we must know God, we must come to him and pray. Not the shopping list. Not the vending machine type of prayer. Put a quarter in, God, you give me this. No, no, but the prayer of surrender. Some of you have had the privilege of Pastor Mike walking you through a prayer. One of the things that you will learn from him is that Pastor Mike, it begins with surrender. If you and I must know God, if we must have a connection with him, we must pray prayers of surrender. Surrendering our will to his. Surrendering our ideas to his. Surrendering our plans to his. We must pray prayers of surrender. We must pray prayers of introspection. Search me, O Lord. Search me. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Prayers of introspection. We must pray prayers of revelation. God, reveal your will to me in every area, yea, every aspect of my life. Before I embark on anything, before I take on anything, Lord, I want you to reveal to me what is your will in this matter. Career choice, a job opportunity, social connections. See, some of us believe that it's 
It's all about tall, dark, and handsome. For some of us, it's all about hips, lips, and fingertips. But God sees what you can't see. And I've come to appreciate, Pastor Kevin, that I dare not make any life decisions before asking God to reveal his will to me. Prayers of surrender, prayers of introspection, and prayers of revelation. And finally, I must not only crave God as the air I breathe and make him the priority, I must not only pray these prayers of surrender and introspection and revelation, but finally, if I will know God and have a meaningful connection with him, I must study his word not as an apologist, but as a seeker of truth. And let me explain that. You see, apologetics is about being defender of the faith and explaining the Bible, and, and there's some folks, they, they only study the Bible so that they can win religious debates. So I can defend the Sabbath, scripturally. I can defend the, the sanctuary uh, message, scripturally. I can defend the, the literal second coming of Jesus through scripture. No, no. What God wants, as you study his word, is to appreciate that, that God made the Sabbath for your benefit. God wants, when you study the Word, for you to understand that once a week, God has given you a sanctuary in time. You understand that the Sabbath is not just about uh, uh, setting aside the seventh day and keeping holy, but you understand that the Sabbath is about having that connection with God and experiencing His rest. You understand that the sanctuary message is about the fact that God has pulled out all the stops. God is doing everything to save you. You understand that the second coming of Jesus is that hope that burns within your heart. You see, beloved, if our pursuit of God is motivated by mere intellectual curiosity and to fulfill some esoteric desires, then we will come up empty and we'll find God to be elusive. It was Zophar who said in Job chapter 11, 7 through 9, the King James Version, he wrote, Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is no longer than the earth and broader than the sea. And here it is, neighbor, that when we seek God, we must be motivated by the question, not God, how high are the heavens, but we must be motivated by, motivated by the question, Lord, what would you have me do? You see, it's one thing to have knowledge it's more important to apply that knowledge. Knowledge that is not applied is only good for the head. 
the knowledge that is applicable is knowledge that is good for the life, yea, for the heart. As a church, we believe that God has called us to connect and have meaningful connection with him. And it's a reason for this first, the first few months of the year, our challenge, our reach challenge to you as a congregation, the reach challenge to us as a congregation is that we will seek to form and maintain a meaningful connection with God. Beloved, that happens through consistent, intentional, a committed devotional life. I want to recommit myself to that today. How about you? That, Lord, I'll spend some time with you, not with a shopping list, but asking you, Lord, look and search me. Lord, I surrender you. And friend, friends, I've come to appreciate that it's not something that you do once and that's it. Got to keep doing it. It's kind of like the couple who went to the marriage counselor after decades of marriage having some problems and the wife blurted out she said she said listen it's been years since he told me he loved me years since he told me he loved me the man turned to her in the council and said listen i told you years ago that i loved you if i change my mind i'll tell you if i change my mind i'll tell you I know it. Some of you know it. You know it. You, you got to tell her, man. In the morning, in the evening. I had to learn that, Brother Burns. I got to learn. I, I had to tell the lady, I love you. Man, I haven't changed. She wants to hear it every day. She wants to hear it every day. Listen, it's not just a one time and done. You and I have got to connect with God daily. Daily. I want to commit to that. Stand with me as we close. We still, we still on, Pastor Kev? Stand with me. I'm going to invite you, Pastor Kev, to come right ahead and you'll do the prayer and, and even introduce the group. Years, for quite some time now, some years now, we've been pushing life groups. We believe that, that one of the best ways we will grow is, is growing together. And just this past weekend, we had about 20 plus folks who went, went off for the weekend training life groups training and and we're going to share this and, and then pastor kev is going to close in prayer but i wanted to bring this group up to let you know how powerful this is folks we we are intentional as a church we want to ensure that every person who comes on our campus every person who walks through the doors 
that they will find meaningful connection. We believe this can be accomplished through life groups. Yeah, in the, in the spirit of what Pastor Rose said, um, it's, we can't call ourselves Christians if we're not having that meaningful relationship with God every day. And throughout the week, we, we don't just come here on Saturday and then, you know, clock out our, our Christianity. And that's why last week in an effort of, of keeping in what this, this church has decided to do for the year, the, the reach over to God and to in and to out, um, we, did, we got together. We actually went to a life group training. Our leaders went and they got trained. And the beauty about the training is that we actually got to do a life group together, us. And I can tell you guys, and you're going to hear from them here in a second, just how wonderful that is. There you can see all our, all our people playing games. You imagine all those old people playing games? Look at that. <laughs> Nick is going to kill me for that one. But, they're, uh, but that, it, was, it was a wonderful experience. And my own experience is that I really felt closer with everybody there. I, I went there. I, 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 almost, I almost didn't know a lot of the people that went. And when I left, I, I really felt like family. I mean that so deeply. And uh, we have Brianna here, and she has a couple words. And Hi, church. Um, yes, I can definitely agree. We went, and there's so many people that I see every Sabbath that I never knew or spoke to. And after the experience last weekend, I built meaningful connections with them and a stronger relationship with God. And um, it really showed that God's method of discipleship can be done through life groups. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jerry, and I'd like to say that training is provided, and it's really simple to do. Um, and all you have to do is show up and let the Holy Spirit lead you, lead others. My name is Vicki, and I enjoyed greatly last Sabbath, last weekend. It was marvelous. Uh, we connected the Bible with lives. We lived out loud what Jesus' teachings are, and we modeled what a life group should be, fun sharing experiences, testimonies, and it was exciting and it was marvelous. It's the same way that Jesus taught his disciples. And so church, I'm Lourdes, and I was reconvicted of my mission last weekend. Um, <clears throat> the seminar, I would say, took me to tears because I remembered why I was created. I was created to help others see Jesus, know Jesus, and do life. And so doing small groups is, is a way to be able to learn how to, how to do life with like-minded people. And that's very important if we're going to make it. And so I encourage you guys to do a life group, to have a life group, and to enjoy a life group. Thank you. You heard from some of our, you know, happy customers, so to speak. But it's not, it's not just, uh, it's not just them. I mean, they're they're all over the church. They got two of them right here who went with us. Canute, if you can catch them. We had Leslie. We had a lot of church members go, and we encourage you guys to to be a part of that. We're going to try to bring that life group training down here for all of you, and so we encourage you guys to to come, be a part of that, and and really see what God can do. And with that. We'll have a closing word of prayer, and then we'll, they'll sing us off. Lord. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the closing song. Yeah. Lord, we thank you 
so much for the message that dear Pastor Rose shared with us today. It's so important to be reminded of the, the, the importance of having a daily relationship with you. We, we, we don't want to be nine to five Christians, God. We, we don't want to come into church and, and praise God and give testimonies and then leave and, and be just like the rest of the world, Lord. And so I ask you now that you bless every ear that hears this sermon, be it now or later through the internet or maybe through YouTube, wherever they might have watched this, Lord. And I ask that you just change something in their heart, that they can leave this, this place with the Holy Spirit, almost like Moses had, that you can see it in his face, that they can live a life according to your principles, that they can spread that joy to everyone around them, day in and day out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's Seven-Day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.